Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, arranger, percussionist, based in Brooklyn, New York, Vinny Sparaza. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have Vinny Sparaza with us. Sir, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Leander. It's nice to be here. Yes. Could you tell the people about yourself and then we'll get right into it? My name is Vinny Sparaza. I've been living in Brooklyn since the last, since the early George W. Bush administration. My focus is on jazz, jazz drumming, original music. I play the drums. I write music. I write a substack called Chronicles, which is uh, which is mostly focused on jazz drummers. Although I'm trying to expand to other areas, um, I make recordings with various cooperative groups. And I make recordings under my own name. And I'm filled with a great sense of privilege to be involved with jazz at all. It's an honor and joy to be involved with, with the drums, with music, and with jazz. Okay, cool percussionist myself, so I love having percussionists on. But what do you mean by you trying to expand into other stuff? Oh, um, I wrote about John Coltrane, who is not a jazz drummer. I wrote about the Miles Davis, Miles Ahead album without a, a particular focus on the drumming. That's what I mean by other stuff. So what are you doing with it? Like you're revamping it, re-releasing it, rearranging it? Oh, uh, no, I'm just exploring. Uh, I have a post called uh, Snowfall, which is a very relaxing kind of image to have in your head. And it explore. It doesn't explore. It goes into the uh, history of, not even really the history, just what the tunes on the Miles Ahead album are. Springsville, for example is by a trumpet player named John Carisi, who also wrote a song called Israel, which you might know from Birth of the Cool or from Bill Evans' uh, Explorations. And I've always loved the tune Springsville. Everyone who's heard Miles Ahead loves that tune. And I thought, well, where did this tune come from? And then I noticed, ah, well, John Carisi's in the trumpet section on the album. He seems to have been in the Claude Thornhill band with Gil Evans, Okay, he was featured in Birth of the Cool. I didn't, I didn't realize quite how deep in the scene he was. Okay, there's John Carisi, Springsville. Okay, cool. Then the next piece is called The Maids of Cadiz. I don't even know what that is. It turned out to be written by this French composer. And I went like that through the record. That's what I mean by other things. Okay. so it's like I guess, I, more I guess it's not. Yeah, okay. Blog. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean. Okay. Good for I like blogs. I like reading them. Mm -hmm especially Reddick subdicks when they make fun of John Coltrane all the time. A lot of them don't really like him as an artist. They don't think he's a top saxophone player. 
everyone's entitled to their opinion. I mean, I'm with you on that. It's just you see some very or read some very interesting takes in the jazz community on that. Yeah, that's part of part of the culture now. What you agree with it? I mean, okay. I mean, it's part of the culture, but do you like these people's listing all the reasons why they think John Coltrane was overrated? Do you like the discussions? Well, it doesn't doesn't really grab me those discussions. Okay, what grabs you? Is it in the blog world? What? Oh, um, because I consider Reddick a blog, even though it's Reddick. It's pretty much. In my opinion, a lot of frustrated jazz artists venting that they don't have the success as John Coltrane or they don't have somebody to latch on to like Miles Davis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably... I Not knowing the people, I don't really want to say what I think their motivations are without having read the stuff myself. I don't want to... Com- I can't comment on any of that. Um, the The blogs I'm most interested in well, I, it's not like I, I certainly read Lewis Porter, who today, oh, he, he really, I'm, I'm so excited for what's coming next. He, he is, John Coltrane's Alabama has, and I don't understand exactly, but John Coltrane's Alabama has thought to have some parallel to this to some speech or writing of Martin Luther King. That's something I've heard and that's kind of all I've heard. And then Lewis Porter seems to think he can be more specific about what that parallel is. And today he started a he published a piece that said he feels like he sort of he just sort of got into how John Coltrane's music relates to speech. Very 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 interesting that's the kind of thing I'm most attracted to. Okay. I mean, I know him more for his piano playing than his writing. And even his piano playing, that's a whole other conversation I would have to have with him on because there's some things I love and there's some things I'm like, why did you release that? But yes, I know, I know of his writing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what is it? Do you know any details about that in the Martin Luther King speech that he's saying? I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't have okay. any details like Understood. that. That's something I got to look up into more. Yeah. Okay. So other news is I do know you before, believe it or not, because oh. I love Lee Morgan and you had an album playing Lee Morgan. So oh, yeah. I know that was one thing that clicked to another thing, which is how I find a lot of artists also. And um, then, I'm yeah. glad you heard that. Thank you. We worked hard on that. I hope you liked it. Oh, yeah. It's a trio. I love trios. You tend to specialize in trios. So it's funny thing is like when I heard that, I was like, ah, and I listened to the whole thing and I'm like, cool. And then I'm not going to lie to you. I forgot about you for like two years, three years until you came up by your new producer, (laughs) Mark. So you have an album out right now called Saturday. Okay. Another trio. And you have Mm -hmm. Nathan and and Michael on it, if I'm correct. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. First of all, whoever designed that cover, love it. Genius. Gives back to the sixties era. Yeah. That's Jacob Sachs, who played piano on the Lee Morgan album. He designed that cover. Wow. First of all, how did he get that? How did he get? What? How did you get in contact with him to design it? And 
I called him up. Hey, Jacob, would you mind doing the cover for the Ethan record? Sounds good. Looking forward to hearing it. Okay. That's a shocker right there. Well, yeah, we're, he's a good friend to all of us. He's great friends with Michael and Ethan. He came to our first concert and yeah, he's a, you know, he's part of the community. Okay. That is pretty clutch of you on that. <laughs> and Jacob Sachs and very glad you heard the record. Yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, okay. So on the album Saturday, I just had a question. So you have a track Saturday. Why do you have a track Sunday on there? Oh, uh, Saturday is the blues. Sunday is rhythm changes. Saturday and Sunday. Can't have Saturday without Sunday. Can't have a blues without rhythm changes. Okay, fair. I was just like, why did you name it like that? Okay, makes sense now, but okay. <laughs> so what were you thinking of when you at least put those two tracks together? just wanted to document um just wanted to try to write a blues wanted to try to write a rhythm changes those are my best efforts in those in that format i hope to get better at them they certainly came out okay but got a long way to go okay what is the goal oh the goal is to i know you're going to keep this same group for your next album Unclear. Uh, has nothing to do with the group. Has nothing to do with um, the successor or 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 or, or the. Uh, it has nothing to do with the the result of the music. I'm as happy with it as I've ever been about anything I've been a part of. Um, it's just. Uh, it's it's not entirely obvious to me what the what the next thing I'm going to try to do is, which is a lot of fun. Explain, man. You can't just leave it as it's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, no, it's fun to not know. It's uh -huh. really great not knowing. It's kind of my favorite thing is actually not knowing um, what I'm doing, which fortunately for me is a constant presence in my life. It's just no idea what I'm doing. Um, but that's that to me is when, when I've been like, Oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to write this kind of song and put this band together. I'm going to book a gig at this place. And this, these people are going to come and it's going to be a stunning success. And everyone's going to write about it. And my friend Hank Steamer is going to come and he's going to tell me it's that never, it never goes the way it wants to. And then when you start heading down that road, you're like, why are you doing this, man? Just, and it's, so you don't like don't structure? To, you're more of a free-spirited person in this? Oh, no. I'm, I, I love structure. I mean, blues and rhythm changes are structured pieces, and I try to structure a day. I try to structure my time. You know, what I mean is when you're I, – I think the phrase I mean, Leander, is over-determined. Over-determined. I try not to over-determine what I'm doing. Just this morning I went for a long run. Not a long run for people that really do long runs for the marathoners out there. But for Vincent, it was a long run. And I was like, just just be out here, man. Just we're out here. Your legs work. The sun is shining. The air is you can breathe in. You can breathe out. Let's just be out here. Let's not worry about how fast, how slow, 
how whatever let's see if we can just be out here please can we please just do that and it was okay that's what i mean okay does that make more sense it makes more sense i'm just the complete opposite (laughs) the world is full we need everybody man i don't want anybody to be like me because then i would be like them fair but I'm more like, we need to go do this. We need to do this interview. Then we need to go do that. Then we need to do our next album. Then we have to do this and then figure out how to release it. And that's my whole oh, thing out of it. Totally. I hear you, man. Okay. I'm not going to knock you on that, too. Okay. You were telling me before you have another album that's coming out soon. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about that one. Sunday. It's called Sunday. And it's uh, with Brandon Seabrook. On guitar, Lauren Stillman on tenor saxophone, Ivan Opsvik on bass, myself on drums, wrote all the music, and it's a suite of compositions that sort of mirror the sort of interstate of of a of a person on his own uh, on a Sunday, on just a random Sunday, person on his own without that much to do. Trying to figure out is trying to figure out what he's doing. Trying to figure out what this is all about. So, what should I expect from this album? Well, I hope you would hear some beautiful melodies. I mean, they're as beautiful as I can make them. Um, I would hope you would hear some some fun solos from our great soloists Brandon Seabrook and Lauren Stillman, and I hope you would hear some nice feel from uh, Ivan and I. And I hope it would make, I hope it would allow you to, uh, um, I hope listening to it, it, the music you would, you would be allowed to have your own experience listening to it and not worry so much about what Vincent was trying to make you have and just have Leandre's experience. Okay. So sometimes artists have like a journey in mind. Like I want to paint this vision, this background, take you down this path. Yeah, there's some of that. Yeah. Um, Like I said, it mirrors sort of the day. It starts with a piece called Presence, which is very much about human consciousness. I don't mean consciousness in terms of neurobiology. I mean consciousness just as you're a conscious person, I'm a conscious person. Um. Yeah. Our consciousness coming coming online, and then there's a piece called Caffeine Dream, which is about what happens when you have coffee. And uh, then there's a piece called uh, If Only, which is a, a sort of feeling of loneliness that can have that can just that sort of comes out of nowhere. There's a piece called PM Drift, where you just feel the day, no matter what you do, you just can't stay on on a course for the day and everything just goes away then there's a piece called culture is cosmetic which is a reference to uh, the great singer songwriter Stu and heidi rodewald and their piece passing strange um and it's this is when you sort of you kind of feel on the outside of everything you're past being lonely and now you just feel isolated and then it has a memory of or, a, or just a thought on, on Mr. Harvey Picar, who was a writer, a jazz writer, and a, he wrote uh, um, uh, a comic called American Splendor, which I've never read, but I, Paul Giamatti played him in a movie called American Splendor, and that movie that movie hit me hard. And then it, had, and then it ends with uh, 
Well, you go to bed and sometimes your mind doesn't seem to want to shut off and you can feel a lot of insecurity. You can feel a lot of anxiety. And that's called hithering and thithering. So that's sort of the journey of the album. Okay, the one that caught my most attention is when you were talking about It's a Conscious of Mind. The first track. Yeah. Okay, so what is that going to be in? Is that going to be a minor piece? Is that going to be a tonal piece? It's, it's, it's pretty piece? much just a bunch of triads. It's pretty much 12 triads. It's actually 16 triads. But um, I, it's probably like 12 or, or so. Like it's Some of them are repeated. But it's just triads in this in this melodic way in this you know reasonably melodic way and um so it's all the keys just major triads and um first the saxophone plays it solo then the guitar plays it solo and then the guitar the saxophone and the bass play it all together and that's it's just a it's just a parallel just just an idea of your awareness and your presence coming online. That's all it is. You know, it's a, it's a, I'm not, um, uh, like Tim Burns says, I'm not a big C composer. I'm a little C composer, you know? So, I, but I believe in, in what I do and I just try to make it as good as I can. Okay. So some other questions I have wish to ask. Okay. Going back to your reading and writing of jazz blogs, what have you discovered that you actually did not like about the jazz world? Uh, something I don't like. Um, well, Leander, I can't really talk about the world. From your point of view. What I can talk about more is what I don't like has been a lot of the choices I've made and a lot of the attitudes I've carried. The things that I really don't like are a lot of the things that I've done. Those are the things that really like haunt what? me the most. You mean in terms of music or just in personal? Well, it's the same thing. Music and personal are the same. Okay. We're going there. Okay. So what, in at least the music side, did you not like? Oh, well, I mean, you have to have a lot of integrity and bravery. There's two words I really am focused on these days. I probably overused them, but they mean a lot to me. So bravery, integrity mean a lot to me. Today's Martin Luther King Day. And if that man, well, I can't even really speak about it because it's too intense. It's too big. No, go for it. It's your episode, man. It's your spotlight. What do you, what do you well, think? Dr. King, I mean, that's the ultimate in bravery and integrity right there. That's the ultimate expression. I mean, I, I don't want to, I mean, I'm not saying no one else has matched it. I don't know. There's probably somebody, but if anyone personifies bravery and integrity, it would be Dr. King. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I feel funny even saying it, you know, but, uh, 
So when mo- it for so for I, f- I'm sorry, stumbling over words. I've often find myself found myself lacking in bravery and integrity, and uh, and I'm I'm working hard, you know, since the pandemic to uh, to bring forward more of that when when I as I'm able to more mm-hmm. more uh, more more. Um, More, uh, more standing up for what I believe in, saying what I believe, saying what matters to me, and being unafraid. Not afraid of failure, not afraid of somebody not liking what I play or not liking me. I mean, I don't like it when people don't like me and don't like my playing, but I, I can't. It's not my intent to make people not like me, you know. Stephen King, he said that his mother told him when he was young, she said, he said, this is in a YouTube, uh, one of his recorded you know, speeches, you know, he's really entertaining. And he's, and she said that, Stevie, if you were a girl, you'd always be pregnant. <laughs> That's what his mom said to him. And he said he really has a desire to entertain, to make his readers have a good time and, and to make them enjoy the book they're reading. And I, I connect with that. Yes, I want people to like what I'm doing, but if they don't, I can't. I can't go in their minds and change it. I, I can't. And I, and if they don't like me, well, maybe I should check out what I'm doing. Did I? Was I? You know, was I not cool? And then if I was just myself and they don't like me, that's life. You know. I mean, and I, I'm okay with that. In the jazz world, that's it's very, very hard to please. Everyone. Yeah, very hard. Yeah. So I really shouldn't try to please everyone, but I, I, you know, it's also in my, it's inside Vincent to, to want to, to want to please a listener. You know what I mean? To want to please an audience member. I would like you to like the music. And if you don't, that's life. I mean, but also I'll say the other side of it. If these people are taking time out of their day, to listen to you spending money to get into the venue, you should be able to perform a show that they will enjoy. And I think that's part of the problem. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah. That's how I feel. And I understand. And from generations before where, you know, artists would play with their backs turned and all that other stuff. I'm like, you're just killing our field. And it just, Passes down like I'm never going to a jazz club again. They don't bring their kids who don't know about the thing, which is one reason why it's a dying field. I'm not sure I find jazz a dying field. In fact, I know I don't find it dying. Ooh, why do I you don't say find that? jazz dying? Because our gig was packed Saturday night. Okay, where was it in New yeah. York? Yeah, Brooklyn. Okay, why buy you? I was like, well, certainly nice to see all the happy people here. This is a lot of fun, and boy, am I happy. I really want them to be like, that was fun. Okay. I just look at the billboard charts, and I don't see any jazz tracks on it. Oh, there's many problems. Oh, there's, 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 it's not without challenges, but uh, dying, not dying, healthy, not healthy, um, I personally try not to focus on any of those terms too much and just what am I doing? 
what's happening in my world, what matters to me. There's a lot of work to be done, and, and I believe in the work. Uh, you believe in the work that you're making, which is going to help us grow as a field, or just in general you're saying you? No, no, I just believe in the music. I believe that jazz is beautiful music and, and good music. Oh, I think it's beautiful music, the people, too. Yes. And the people that love jazz and listen to jazz and play jazz. And it's not like, oh, if you don't do jazz, you're not... I don't mean to be jazz uh, chauvinist here. That's not what I'm, that's not what, it's not at the detriment of another genre. And that's not what I'm, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm just saying, I've, I, I think jazz is, is beautiful. And uh, I think the people that listen to it and make it are beautiful. And I'm just thrilled to be around it. Okay. I believe in it. I believe in the music. Okay. So I know, since I know it's you weird, but. I mean, I have hope for the music. I might rip on it. I might say it's dying, but that's just from oh, my sure. experience because oh, you've been in New York for how long? In New York City for how long? Too long. <laughs> Come on, man. What year is it? 21 years. 21 years. Oh, okay. So you see the ten years. First 10 years, I'd like to go around everybody I met and heard me play in those first 10 years and say, I'm really sorry. It got a lot better. Please... You know, let's let's play a session and you know let's 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 try this again. <laughs> I had a lot of I had a lot of holes to fill when I moved here. Okay, what do you mean by I holes? Had a lot of gaps. Like you weren't up oh, to the just, level. I wasn't up to levels. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I understand that. Mm -hmm. uh, most people, when they come from universities, which is another thing I make fun of, jazz universities. Oh yeah. They are not prepared for the scene. Oh, that was me. Okay, so what made you, how, how long did it take you to get up to at least the lower level or the basic level of the chat? Oh, no, I'm not lying to people. They I'm come not, out. I'm not there yet. They I'm have, not there yet. Okay, that's fair. It hasn't happened yet. If you don't think so, okay. <laughs> but no, I'm not saying. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because I don't know what, I don't know what that is. I tell you, one thing I can't You know what it is. Come on, man. I've been in jam sessions and I just was like, I can't play with these guys. I have no problem acknowledging that. I'm not getting on the stage. I'm just sitting here with my sure. soda. <laughs> well, that, I, I don't know if I, I don't know if, I, a lot of those things are, are very like perspective oriented. I can say, I can definitely say nothing felt like, nothing felt right. Nothing felt like, okay, this is sort of going until about 10 years, 10 years ago or 11 years ago now. Or, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what changed? Eleven years after, ago. Yeah. What changed eleven just, years ago? Just oh uh, well, I I was able to work with um, a, a very important moment for me was working with the great John McNeil, trumpet player, who who was you know he you know, I learned a, a lot working with him, and also in the band with Jeremy Udine and Arya Kobrinsky, Jeremy Udine saxophonist, Arya Kobrinsky bassist, and John McNeil, trumpet player and composer. And he had put this band together called Hushpoint, and um, and we we did some gigs around town, and we went on the road a little bit. We went up to Canada and that kind of thing, and it was you know uh, a real. I was like, man, I'm, this is uh, this is really, you know, this is a great honor to be on the stage with John McNeil. Uh, I don't want to put down 
the the great efforts I was making with great musicians like Jacob Sachs and Matt Blostein and Jacob Garchik and people like that. Prior to that, that's not what I'm trying to say. Just having a a, a master like John McNeil say, "Hey man, uh, you know, why don't you? I want to do a band with some younger guys, and I, I think I think you'd be okay for it for a while." So that worked out for a while, and then it and then and then and then it was. And then it and then it wasn't working for him after a while, and that's the way I was sad about that. But that's the way it goes, and it, it's it's all good. Uh, um, and then we made a change, uh, and then I was working with the the man I mentioned earlier, Stu. He had put this band together to do these gigs, and I thought, okay, well, this is man, this is great music. The band is great. The venues, some people are coming out. This is okay. I'm, I kind of feel like I'm doing the music it was very vague you know what i mean it's a very vague sense of any of this you know but but it was a it's a it's a memory i have i hope that made sense okay so you're saying 11 years ago you had some mentors that got you gigs and you got to perform more often well i i was working with some people in some professional situations and it made me feel like i was on the right path okay so when you first came to new york what was the thing that shocked you the most just how much better everyone was than me. <laughs> okay. Wow, he sounds very good. Oh, I can't play that. I can't do that. I don't, did he practice? Maybe I should practice. Aww. Wait, I was practicing. Am I practicing the wrong things? Da, 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 just that stuff. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I got you. Because yeah. like I say all the time. Good most I mean, people, when they come out of the scene, um, I mean, it was a great experience to uh, to um, be the weakest musician in the room. That's great. I mean, it's not great when it's happening, but later it's great. Okay. Like I said, that's one of the things that I notice when people come out of the university scene. They're not really prepared. But that's full. No. That's cool. No, I don't think a university can or really even should try to prepare you for that. But they're paying like 60000 plus a year to be prepared for the music world. You could have all the theory in the world if people don't want to hear your stuff. Or you can't play at a studio musician level, which they don't really have gigs for anymore. How are you going to sustain yourself? No, no, it's a, that's a, it's a real problem. It's just that um, I don't, I don't think it's the colleges. I think that's a systemic problem that the colleges are part of, rather than a problem that emanates from the colleges. Explain. Well, I mean, no one really knows. I mean, I, I don't. I let me try again. You say nobody in the university knows how good the artists are in the real world? No, no, no. That's that's not what that's I hear what you're saying, but that's 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 not what I mean at all. Um education is a, is a complex process. Yes. I agree on that. Uh when when I meet uh, in November I was in Portugal, I had a wonderful experience. Still not really over it. Um, I, I was, uh, I was with, um, 
Chet Doxis, Zach Lovers, Suzanne Veneman, and Mr. Jacob Sachs. And we were working with some uh, some 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 jazz students, uh, jazz college students in uh, in uh, in uh, outside Porto, Portugal, and um, you know some some great great young players. And uh, some of them wanted to know. Some of the drummers would ask me, you know, who who should I study with? And you know, I'm happy to I'm happy to talk. You know, let's talk about that. And then it got to this thing where I was like, hey, man, instead of worrying about finding the, the right teacher, the, the, the best teacher, you really should focus on being the best student. Because if you're a great student, you have an attitude of learning. You have an attitude of, okay, well, I'm not here to show what I know. I'm not here to be right. I'm here to learn. Part of learning is being wrong being corrected and um that kind of attitude is a great attitude when entering the professional field um that'll make it much easier to 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 take your lumps to get your ass kicked and uh, that attitude is is generally not cultivated as far as I can tell, in in the United States, maybe in the world at large, I don't know. But as far as I can tell, the attitude of like, hey, man, or woman, or whoever, <laughs> you know, you're here to learn. Part of learning is failing. Part of learning is being corrected. Part of learning is being uncomfortable, very uncomfortable. But... <clears throat> You know, there's no cause for panic or alarm or to question your self-worth or any of these things. It's just, this is just learning. So in that sense, I feel that where I went, uh, William Patterson, actually, they did a great job. Because, and that's what I mean why it's like, well, in terms of a class to get you ready for a gig, I'm not sure that class could ever be constructed. But in terms of an environment that rewards the right attitude for a learner, I mean, I, that was what I got. And uh, the last, not that I had a particular closeness to this gentleman, but I, I did, the last time I was able to speak with Harold Mayburn at Fat Cat in August 2019. <laughs> And I was very happy that he remembered me from William Patterson. I was very happy to. I didn't know it would be the the, the last time I, I saw him. But I was very happy that we had that moment. And he said that, and I said that, I certainly wish I could go back and study with him because I'm a much better student now than I was when I was 20 years old. And he said he had the exact same feeling about his teachers. And that was why he taught. So then I felt, okay, well, if even Harold Mayburn feels like he could have done better, then maybe I'm not doing so bad. And it was a lovely moment. And I'm so happy to have had that brief exchange with him. I really, 
uh, treasure that memory, but that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. I've rambled a bit here, Leander. I think I'm way off topic, but I think I've probably said more or less in aggregate the point I'm trying to make. I was just trying to say, if I'm paying $60,000 a year, because some of these conservatories yeah. cost that much, yeah, they yeah, I don't... should prepare me when I graduate. I should be able to get at least a gig yes. at the city level. I'm not saying yeah, they're going to yeah, hand yeah. me the gig, but I, I should be able to perform at that level. Most of them whom I see, they don't. They can't. Yeah. If I'm really honest about my abilities when I was 22, it wasn't that I couldn't do a gig. It wasn't that I couldn't get a gig. It wasn't that I wasn't playing. It's a, it's, I hear what you're saying, and that's a discussion that should be had. I know what you mean. My experience in some ways mirrors that, in some ways doesn't. Complex problem. I mean, I just wanted your take on how we could improve it, or should these people be going to the conservatories, or are there too many conservatories? Because maybe yeah, half of these people majoring in music shouldn't be majoring in music. I just don't. I... I You'd have to talk to somebody that really knows that field. I, I just don't know that field. Um, I don't know about a systemic structure-wide change. I do wish for a far more fundamental change that I try to cultivate in my students and I try to cultivate myself and my community is that, hey, we're here to learn and learning is uncomfortable. And that's the most I really have to say of any substance on the subject. Okay. No worries. So, what is something people misunderstand about the music world? Well, uh, I don't know exactly because I don't know Trying to think of somebody who really misunderstood something about something I was saying, and, and nothing is springing to mind. One thing people do really seem care. I'm thinking of like my friends from from childhood. You know, my 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 kind of my my friends from teenage years. Um, they they often kind of are like. So when you go on on. Say, say you're on tour. Are you gone for like two months? And I'm like, well, I have done that. But no, that's not the normal thing. I don't know. Most people are now gone two weeks to two weeks at the most, often as little as a weekend or seven days or 10 days. And then they say, OK, and then they'll say, do you bring your drums? And I'll say, no, 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 you don't do that. No, no. Well, I mean, you might if you have a band and you can do it. You might bring your drums, but no, I, I haven't moved my drums like from place to place to place. I ha I I haven't done that in any. I did that a little bit last year with Mark Morris Dance Group. We brought our drums to. We brought my drums to Chicago and I think somewhere in Virginia. Uh, but that was just a, that was just sort of a fluke thing. That's not the normal thing. Um, normally, I don't bring my drums, and I've never taken my drums uh, to Europe. 
which Jeff Williams and those guys, Billy Hart, those guys, they remember bringing your drums to Europe, which I just can't imagine. That's another, that's some intense, that's intense travel. Wow. That's, that's another thing. Um, so I don't know if those are misunderstandings exactly, but, uh, yeah, the trips are tend to be much more manageable periods of time where you don't have to really be away from your people and your, and your, and your home for, you know, really long stretches. And, uh, usually you can just bring suitcase and, you know, some symbols and, um, and, um, to make any money traveling is a, is one of the great honors that we have in music. And I take that extremely seriously. I leave my house, I leave my city, I leave Brooklyn to go play drums for somebody and be paid. I'm the luckiest son of a gun on planet Earth. <laughs> okay. I would agree with you on that. Getting paid yeah. to do something you love is an honor. Yeah. So, what is your dream project? Oh, man. What a fun question. Because I can't say it wrong. I can't have the wrong dream. Anything I say, there's no way to know if that's right or wrong. Dream project. Well, dream, I think, is a very, I I, want to say, um, there's dream as in like a wish and like wish fulfillment. And then um, I could just list all the people I would love to make a Vincent album with. People like Hank Roberts, Tim Byrne, Angelica Sanchez, Sam Newsom. And then it's a long list, Leander. We'll be here for a couple of days as I list all the musicians I dream of making a Vincent album with. So many, so many. Um, then there's a dream project in terms of this isn't, this is pretty far from reality, but to do something, you know, really on a big stage. You know, that that really, you know, with costumes and lights and a story and a lot of rehearsal and a director. You know what I mean? And you know what I mean? Like all where they always have discussions. Hey, I I need to talk to you about this. Like you have discussions about a scene. Oh, that would be great. You know what I mean? And like like people with headphones on and a little battery pack, you know, on walkie talkies and unions. I mean, now we're talking. You know what I mean? In a weird poster in the subway, Vinny Sparaza. I mean, that would be fun. So I'm being goofy here, but the truth is something narrative on a big stage. I haven't quite given up on that. I'm a very ham actor kind of guy. I love people paying attention to me. And I really like I'm a super cheesy, like, like I'm a ham. You know what I'm saying, Leander? So the idea of and 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 uh, in my family theater, it's it's in my family theater, jazz beats theater by a hair, but theater is a close second. So the idea of being doing something on a stage, like a you know like a theatrical presentation, I haven't quite given up. I'm too much of a ham 
to really abandon that. Okay. No problem. So, Vinny, can you tell the people your website, how to contact you, your social media, where to find you? Oh, yeah, sure. Best thing to do is to go to uh, Vinny Sparaza Chronicles. I'm not going to spell that. I'm not going to do P-H-I-L-S-C-H-A-A-P dot O-R-G. I'm not going to do Phil Schaap. I'm not going to spell it. Just say VinnySparazaChronicles.substack.com. Uh, that's the best place to find me. You can find me on all those, all the streaming music sites, Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple music. Um, my website's not that active, so don't worry about it. Just go to Substack. You can contact me there. You can, uh, you can write to me there. Um, you can write to me on Bandcamp, Vinny Sparaza at Bandcamp. And, um, I'm playing at Barbez. With Apocryphal with Brandon, Seabrook, Lauren Stillman, Ivan Opsvik next Wednesday, the 24th, January 24th, doors at 7 p.m., so come to that, even if this podcast airs in February. And I'm playing uh, at Bar Bayou on January 26th on Friday with Dana Stevens on saxophone, Jonathan Finlayson on trumpet, Sean Conley on bass, and... Uh, that's Friday, January 26th, so Vinny Jazz Festival next week. And um, you know, it's really an honor to be here, Leander. I really enjoyed this conversation. I really like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really pleased that you had me on. Well, thank you for coming on, Vinny. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. Yes, thank you. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange.